You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Is Vengeance Day the worst NXT takeover ever? I think so. And Dan, before I let you get a word in edgewise, despite great wrestling and almost, we had almost an entirely predictable card, no title changes, uh, rushed build for all these matches. I was so uninvested and I walk away from this card and even the Dusty Cup winners, I can't see either, either of them actually winning tag team championships. Dan, please tell me you enjoyed the show more than I did. Maybe, because I, I guess I don't watch NXT as much, but it was, it, but it was what you said. It was also, it was, it was like uh, I said to you earlier, it was fine. Nothing blew my mind. And it's like, okay. And like, but every match was also a bit much. Yeah, you, you, I, this is tough because I love that NXT does this five-match tight card. You know, we're sitting here like at 9.30, that. nice and quick. You know, we're not watching another hour and a half of this because that would have been a much bigger problem. But the problem is I can't – it wouldn't be fair to compare this to an AEW card. They're just different things, right? This, in the context of NXT takeovers, is a card that it just – it did very little for me. And we'll go, you know, through match by match – and, you know, at the beginning, you know, hey, there's a little bit of a surprise. And at the end, there's a little bit of a surprise. But in between, this was, was varied by the numbers. But let, let's jump right into yes. the main event. So we had the NXT champion, Finn Balor, defending against Pete Dunne. Uh, you know, they were building this as like the match of the year already. Edge would be watching with, you know, a lot of interest because maybe he's going to go after one of these guys at WrestleMania. You know, of course, the match was great. And... I think the fact that this was a more technical match as opposed to the Kyle O'Reilly, Finn Balor matches that were a little bit like this was still hard hitting, but were almost purely hard hitting affairs. Um, I had a lot of time and respect for the technical nature of, of Pete Dunne and Finn Balor. And there is a great history here, but this becomes the problem. And, and the angle after, which I don't know how much you want to get into, but you know, you had sort of the Kings of NXT coming down minus Pat McAfee. And then you had the Undisputed Era minus Bobby Fish making the save, and then when everything looked good, you had Adam Cole uh, super-kicking Finn Balor to set up the next program, and, you know, Roderick Strong's in a tough place. So that was pretty good, because I actually didn't think they were going to do that. But the reason I didn't think they were going to do it is because Roderick Strong and Adam Cole lost to Dusty Cup, and it was like, well, no big deal. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess, I guess everything's fine. So it kind of worked and it kind of didn't. Uh, and then I'll let you get in here in a second, Dan. Sorry, I just want to throw all this out here. But the build for this was just, you know, hey, we did War Games, so you've already done a huge program. Pat McAfee's not coming back, so he's not even going to be mentioned in this program anymore. Like, he doesn't even exist at this point. Is he point. not coming back? I-, I guess he might at some point, but he's not coming back this month, so they didn't make any reference to him. This is purely Pete Dunne and Finn Balor. They didn't lean heavily on the NXT UK thing because there isn't much of a connection there. Um, so what you were left with was this sort of notion of, yeah, we've wanted to see these guys for 10 years. Is there any like, connection there? Uh, uh, Did Finn Balor ever go to NXT UK? Finn Balor was sort of the coach of some of the people like a Jordan Devlin is very much his protege and he was there. So to your point, I didn't even think of this. You could have utilized Jordan Devlin who had run-ins with Pete Dunne. You could have had him as a cruiserweight champion who's going to come to NXT, cut a promo, didn't do that. Didn't use Pat McAfee. Like Pat McAfee's got a radio show. You think the guy could have worked in a promo or done a social media promo to hype this. Didn't do that. And, and with Balor and Dunn, yes, they did a lot of the standard stuff. But Dunn ultimately didn't really win a match against Balor to get this. He won like a number one contenders match 
with, you know, Kyle O'Reilly, who we've already seen go after the title two times. So, you know, I just was left with, I get that these guys are two good wrestlers, but aside from the fact they're both from Europe, there's not really much lineage here to draw from. And the build going up to this was kind of just like, well, we did Kyle O'Reilly too much, beat Dunn's next. And it wasn't like in a Goldberg next. It's just like, he's the only guy we have built at any sort of level that we can put him in a Finn Balor program. And we're not ready to do carry and cross. And I don't even know if carry and cross is a face or a heel at this point, which is a whole other problem I'm going to get into. So for, you know, a match that was supposed to be, you know, the match of the year already, I didn't care at all. It was, in my opinion, the match of the night. Mm-hmm. It was my favorite match. Uh, where they go next, it's, uh, what do they do next? It, it seems like Finn Balor has three opponents now. Yeah, maybe it's a fatal four-way. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, like that's a fairly interesting prospect. Or Edge, which is not going to be Edge, but they're teasing that it could be Edge. Yeah, they, uh, you know, they tease it that. It won't be. You know, let's be very, very honest. Edge is predominantly going to Raw and SmackDown, which I don't know if it's 20 minutes. He's going to SmackDown. Yeah, but he could have very easily gone ringside. Like, his wife is Beth Phoenix. Like, I think he would have enjoyed that. So I don't understand why. Yeah, he should have been on commentary. Yeah, I would have loved that. And and it would have added, and and maybe Beth could have, you know, played it up and said, why don't you come here? I work for what I think is the best part of WWE. And, you know, you're up on the quote-unquote main roster, and this is a brand that wanted Survivor Series when they had the opportunity. Like, Beth could have been nudging him that way, and it would have – like, this is sort of my problem with all of this. There's so much they could have done, and ultimately, Mm -hmm. it fell slapped together. This whole card felt like somebody's like, oh, Sunday's a Valentine's Day. Should we do a pay-per-view a week before Elimination Chamber? Probably not, but we'll just slap it together. Um, Is that next week, Elimination Chamber? It's next week. And I care significantly more about that card than this card, which also was largely thrown together this week. So WWE not learning their lesson. And the whole vengeance, like this vengeance Valentine's Day connection, it did nothing for me. Like there were Vs. There were Vs and they were red. It's like, just, yeah, I I didn't do any, like the lap lap off the top was good. You know, Russell Flow is pretty good. See, you're right. Like it, when the very first thing you said, oh, maybe uh, the worst takeover ever, and yet all the matches were good. Mm-hmm. It's that's a weird thing to say when when there's nothing that was really bad on the card. But yet, yeah. but I agree with you. It was one of the just ho hum takeovers for some reason. Yeah, and, and let's let's bring it to the other big title match. We had Io Shirai defending against Mercedes Martinez. And Tony Storm. And again, I have a couple problems with this build. Uh, with Mercedes Martinez, she was in retribution not too long ago. And then they're just like, well, you're not in retribution. Not that we really did anything to explain that. You're this in was NXT, her retribution. I, I guess. And we're just going to you into the women's title picture by virtue of you attack EO, EO attacks you. They cost you the Dusty Cup. And this was a problem throughout this entire card is almost all of the card can be traced back to the Dusty Cup and then using an existing rivalry to fill out the cup because they don't have enough tag teams, which is a whole other problem, uh, and also extended these rivalries by weeks where they could have actually built the story, and I think that's part of the problem they had. Um, so you have Mercedes Martinez, and, you know, like her story is just, I'm tough, it's been 20 years, but, but you know, I was telling you earlier, I watched The Bump, and when you actually hear the real Mercedes Martinez talk about being immunocompromised, about having a late start to this year, 
and about being on this journey, she actually has a very good story to tell. And similarly with Tony Storm, she came back with this great promo where she said, yeah, I'm coming for you, EO. And that promo that she cut, uh, and it was at one of the takeovers, was so weird because at that point, Tony Storm was a face. And you're trying to say, well, how does this work? And then once again, she turned on Ember Moon, had this thrown together team, like her and Mercedes Martinez, I forgot about this, were teammates in the Dusty yeah. Cup. And that really had no bearing on this match at all. It was barely part of the story. Uh, aside from the fact EO cost them their spot, and I guess they're both number one contenders because why not? And, you know, with EO, she, she is better in this role, and I give her a lot of credit even in this match. She had the, the, the body press off the top. Um, but she was I great. Don't know. Did, did this narratively do anything for you, Dan? No. Um, and let me just say from what you said before, like th- this, every, everybody, everybody in the WWE their real life persona is better and more interested than their on-screen character. All of them. Yeah. That applies to all of them. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. And there's so much you could have done with build, right? You had that Mae Young classic and you had Tony Storm getting the win and that was sort of thrown in. And Tony had this point, well, I've beaten EO. It's like, well, yeah, but the EO you beat, in 2018 is not the Io Shirai we see now. There's been a great transformation. And you could have had Tony Storm breaking down that match, being like, here's how I countered her moonsault. She still does the moonsault. Like, there was a way to do this that would have been so much more impactful. And all these things, you know, even Mercedes Martinez's 20-year journey, man, you could have gotten some footage. You could have told the story. I would have liked to see that. You know, it just, it was a throwaway line. And, a 20 year career and you know, Beth Phoenix, when she was coming to the ring, she set it up better than any of the build talking about how, you know, Mercedes Martinez came up in a time where women didn't really have the opportunities they have now. So it was so much harder. And that really hit me. I'm like, wow, where was that point for the whole month we were leading up to this match, which probably wasn't even a month. Yeah. Um, so it's just a complete shame because they, they had a great match, but I think ultimately I, I, you know, and you, you were brave enough to actually pick Mercedes Martinez in this match. I just, you know, and I, I started to, you know, lead like up. the story the best. Yeah, the story was great. But I, well, I, the, the story that could have been. I think ultimately, the only person they built in a way that they could take the title off EO, and I don't know if it's going to happen now because we'll get to that later, is Raquel Gonzalez. I don't think yes. they've really built somebody, despite the fact EO isn't a very well defined character, they haven't really built someone to the point where you could believe, or at least I would believe, it would take the title off her. And I watched this match and I said, nope, nope, nope. He going to win. And, and that was, I'm pretty sure Gonzalez is next. Well, again, we'll get, we'll get to that tag team match a little later because uh, there's a, you know, they've got a, a good problem to have, I would say, but once again, a great match, but sort of, you know, disappointing in terms of what we got. We'll move over to the first of two dusty cap cup uh, finals doing this in reverse because let's start with the main events. Cause yeah, you might be busy. You might not want to hear what we thought of the first match of the night. We had MSK versus G-Y-V, the Grizzled Young Veterans. Uh, This was very interesting because on one hand, the Grizzled Young Veterans were here last year and you had MSK who debuted in this tournament. So you had a very good sort of contrast. I came into this really wanting Tommaso Ciampa and uh, Timothy Thatcher to be in the finals because their whole gimmick was, you know, these young guys who haven't earned it. I'm really shocked they didn't go with that because to put the grizzled young veterans here, and look, Zach Gibson 
is one of the best on the mic in wrestling today. I think he's fan, and, he, and thank God he cut a promo before this match because yeah, that was excellent, absolutely excellent. But you look at these guys now, they've lost this twice. And last year, they lost to Riddle and Dunn, a thrown-together team. Riddle's kind of doing nothing on the main roster. He's a stoner comic relief character. Pete Dunn still can't get the job done. That wasn't even a problem, uh-huh. right to tell. And here they are again, and, and they get crushed by this young team. And I hope MSK gets the tag titles, but I don't think WWE is going to do that. I think as boring as Danny Birch and Oni Lorcan are, they like the thing with Pete Dunne. And I think they finally figured out how to put those guys together. And based on the thing we saw with Undisputed Era, this idea of having the tag team champions and the NXT champion in a similar program makes a lot of sense. I don't think MSK or whoever was going to win this tournament is going to take the belts off those guys unless the Undisputed Era cost them. So again, a a fantastic match. Uh, I think a lot of the frustration from the Grizzle Junk veterans was very palpable and and just, you know, was really, really good. And some of the spots with MSK where they were getting frustrated and the emotion. But again, like the buildup for MSK was like, here's this mystery team. Here's them cutting their first promo and they wasted half of it doing a Borat joke. Here's, you know... Their second promo. And, and then with the Grizzled Young Veterans, they did give them a lot of mic time because they deserved it. But it, it just, you know, and, and they sort of threw this in as they won the cup that one of them, and I don't even know who it was because this went so fast, had lost their father. And they were, you know, part of this match was a tribute to his plumber father who's looking up above. And that was a throwaway line. Like, mm-hmm. you have a brand new team you're trying to establish. And you have a story that makes me want to cry. And you're not, like, how have you not put together a video vignette yeah. Telling that story, I, I do have the like best with production. Powerhouse Hobbs when they the the story of his older brother shielding him from gunshots. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I was just at a loss, Dan. Like uh, for you, I know coming in a little fresher, were you able to sort of push all that away and enjoy this for what it was? Because it was a great match. Yeah, I did because uh, again, like I haven't been following it as closely, and I haven't seen either of those teams in a very mm-hmm. long time, uh, mm-hmm. especially uh, MSK, especially when they were elsewhere. Uh, so I was looking forward to this. And I, I think that they will be tag champs probably within a year in NXT. Yeah, uh, inevitably, yeah. I would agree. And I, yeah, I like them a lot. I, I give them credit for bringing in a new team, letting them run with it, letting them go so far. Because you've sort of, you've, they're made men. They've won the cup. They're, they've beaten a ton of teams. And you could always put these guys in the tag team program later. Um, so I thought this was quite good. Uh, let's talk about the North American Championship match. Johnny Gargano defending against Kushida. This one, um, again, you, you look at the build, and look, Johnny gets a ton, you know, a ton, much like Zach Gibson. He gets a lot of time to talk. It's been a little hit or miss, I would say, of late with the way. Some of it's been great. Some of it's been kind of just there. And with Kushida, you know, even in the promo they did for this match, they were reusing some of Kushida's footage of him being like, oh, I came to America. And I'm like, is that six months old? How old is that? Um, so that was like, you know, early pandemic stuff. And then in terms of this build, like this whole rivalry basically came down to Johnny Gargano and, uh, Austin Theory, you know, bullying, uh, Leon Ruff after Gargano got the, the North American title back and Kushida's like, well, I'll team with you. And it kind of went from there to the dusty cup and then off the dusty cup, he got a number one contendership. I don't even remember how. And Kushida, you know, there's one video promo where he's like, yeah, I want to be North American champion, whatever. But 
there's not a lot more to this. Like there really isn't. Like there's a lot going on with the way, uh, certainly as they entered the ring, you saw Dexter Loomis in a really blinker, you miss it moment, basically kidnap Austin Theory. Right. Was, which which yeah. is okay, because like, yes, Loomis has been part of this throughout, and maybe that's where he goes next. That, yeah. So like that was a nice touch, and I liked Gargano freaking out and saying, you know, to Candice and uh, Indy Hartwell, like, go get him, as if Kushida wasn't a threat to him, and he was more worried about Austin Theory, uh, which actually, you know what, given how little builder was this match, I appreciated that touch. It was almost sort of meta how that went. And again, the, the matches, it was really, really, like this might've been one of the best matches of the night too. I know you mentioned Finn and um, uh, Balor, or sorry, Finn and uh, Dunn. Like this was great too. Like I thought in-ring it was good. And I think what yep. this match maybe did better than a lot of other matches is it really convinced me Kushida could win this title. And the, the buildup to this match had done nothing. There was no moment leading up to this match where I thought Kushida was going to win this title. I actually did think that briefly in this match because of Kushida's physical ability and, and sort of, again, the throwaway line that he could have been the first Japanese-born yep. person to win this title. And granted, the North American Championship has a very limited history, but that's a good point. And that could have been... A big, yeah, and that could have been part of the narrative. Like, Kushida, again, he has that promo about coming from Japan with his family and making a better life for him. If he had cut an additional promo where he went, you know, went on about how important this would be and how for Johnny Gargano, he takes it for granted because he's been wrestling in North America forever. His wife's been wrestling in North America forever. Like, he takes it for granted. That's why Leon Ruff beat him, because he was joking around the wheel. Like, there's a much better narrative than, I want to help Leon Ruff. I wouldn't mind being North American champion. Also, Dexter Loomis is here causing trouble, but I still can't get it done. And it's like, the story just wasn't there for me. Um, and, and Kushida was a guy they've kept hot for a long time. And for it to just end with sort of a non-focused, you, you know, North American title loss is, is sort of a very disappointing outcome for a guy who's been hot for months yep. and months and months. Yeah, it is unfortunate. And uh, I, I, when I see him, it, it, almost, it breaks my heart a little bit because if they're not even going to let him have this, uh, he, like if, he, if he goes to Raw or SmackDown, he's dead. They're, yeah. they're, like, I really don't want to see it. But then what else is there for him? Like, he should have won this. Maybe he will again. Uh, but if, he, if they call him up, he's done. They're yeah. not going to utilize him at all. Like, he's done. He's going to be going after the 24-7 title. Yeah, I think that's very fair. If we've seen one thing from WWE, they struggle. And look, I would say this about AEW, too. They struggle with Japanese superstars. You know, Asuka, through sheer of will, has made herself uh, the women's champion. And that's starting to wear off, to be quite honest with you. They're starting to lose interest in her in favor of Lacey Evans, Charlotte Flair, and Ric Flair. Um, and you've got Shinsuke Nakamura, who, again, from sheer talent and fan you know, engagement, was a guy they let win a Royal Rumble, and they managed yeah. to screw that up. And now They tried with him. I mean, they gave him the NXT title, the Royal Rumble, and yeah. that was the biggest thing. And then... But now maybe, like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with him. They, anyways. We'll... Yeah, they're in a weird spot with him. But we'll, we'll get to sort of the first match, which will be the last yep. match for us. It was the Women's Dusty Cup Final. This was a really nice way to start it out, sort of historic to have the first winner. You had, uh, of course, Ra- Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai taking on Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon. You know, uh, interestingly, and I, I didn't really realize this until they said it, and again, this is something I would have put into the narrative, Dakota Kai and uh, Raquel Gonzalez, essentially the longest standing team in NXT on the women's side, which is a huge deal. 
And then you have Ember and Shotzi who are, you know, they're sort of remnants of that War Games uh, match, but they've really bonded as a team and, and, you know, in terms of the entrance and everything. So, and and this match I, I thought was excellent. And I think in terms of a build, I am very invested in Raquel Gonzalez, not really because of this tournament, but because of everything that came before it. So I think that elevated this quite a bit because in terms, terms of this tournament, Raquel was doing a lot of stuff by herself to the point where I think Dakota was either away for a few weeks or she was injured or whatever. And then they kind of put them back together for this tournament. And I actually thought they weren't going to get this far. Uh, but then, you know, with Ember and, uh, you know, the Shotzi, they, they built up a pretty good line, you know, through, through the tournament. Um, and, and I look at these, these teams and I look at, you know, Raquel coming out with the win and some of the physical spots. Like I could see her and Dakota going against Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, but man, I, I can't, I'm having trouble seeing this team win, to be quite honest with you, because they're going up against the hottest thing in wrestling, which is the hole, out my hole. So, you know, WWE is going to ride that right to WrestleMania. And this match, I actually think this deserves to be on the two-night WrestleMania. I really hope they don't burn it off at Fastlane uh, or the Elimination Chamber, unless they want to throw in a third team. But I I don't think they're going to do that a week before. I wish they would. Um, So, yeah, I thought this was good. And arguably, this was the most invested I was in any match on the card. Right. Now that you said that, like, again, I don't know what, what I thought this would be a mania thing, but then you're like, Oh yeah, they could, they could very easily blow this off the fast lane or elimination chamber. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and is there a, um, when is the next takeover? Is it around mania? Oh, that's a great question. I have no idea. Cause they definitely didn't promote it during this show. I would mm-hmm. think, as you said, there probably is one uh, somewhere between fast lane and mania. Because uh, you have to think Fastlane is essentially WWE's test of this Peacock deal they have. So oh, I, I, oh. I would imagine they're yes. going to have an NXT show. As, like they, they will. I think they always have. They used to have the NXT show the day before Mania. But, of course, it's a two-day Mania. So you put it a week before Mania uh, or in and around that week. So, yeah, there will certainly be another show. But I, I think, you know, we saw it on SmackDown with, uh, you know, Baszler and Nia Jax showing up. I think you've got to sort of lift Raquel and uh, Dakota to the main roster because I'm sure uh, Vince loves, like, you know, what he's seen of uh, Raquel Gonzalez. You've got a powerhouse woman who's, you know, she's pretty, very, very, like, you think back to how she debuted in that Tegan Knox-Dakota Kai feud as, like, who the hell is this and why are you ruining this amazing feud? And now we're sitting here looking at it like, no, she's the star of that feud. Tegan Knox, unfortunately, who's not not a star, like she's injured, she's training with uh, Brie Larson. If you check her YouTube, like she's still a star. Dakota's a star, but the biggest star from that program is Raquel Gonzalez. Like I think, legitimately, they could put the tag team titles on them. I just think they've they've hit bad luck. Nia Jax is, and obviously Shayna Baszler. There's always going to be an argument for, but. I don't think you can talk about the amount of social media, the attention you're getting from Nia Jax and take these titles off her realistically. I just don't think you can do it. And, you know, if they did nine weeks of tables and Lana, like they're probably going to do 18 weeks of my whole spots. Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if they, I hope they save it for me. And if they do, I mean, if Nia is still riding this, whatever this is, <laughs> they, they, they can break her off into a single star. Like that's not a problem. They, they so the belts will oh, probably God. be a hindrance at some point. If that's a, if who knows, 
like this could be forgotten about in in a few weeks, but like I, I it, it's hard to predict something like this. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. And I guess look, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell WWE how to do this better. You know, the the problem with this whole match, as much as I loved it, there was no tension between Raquel, Raquel and Dakota, despite the fact Gonzalez is becoming literally the bigger star. Like Dakota's fine with that, despite the fact she was the one who backstabbed Dakota Kai. Or, sorry, backstabbed. Jeez, uh, uh, help me out here. Tegan Knox. Okay. Tegan Knox in the War Games match a couple years ago. So the fact that Dakota hasn't. Oh, I forgot about that. Tried to, you know, keep her in line or try to direct her a bit is interesting. I, I thought there's a story to be told there. And then, you know, with Ember and Shotzi, I'm almost surprised we didn't get a promo from them leading into this match of how, you know, how much they bonded. Because I'm, I'm watching them enter and, like, they're dressed alike. Ember, granted, Ember's always got interesting colors in her hair, but she's gone with the green hair. Like, they're, they're, they really fit together. They really feel, like, in a small amount of time, they're, they're really a strong team. Like, I would say, if you're talking about teams in NXT, I look at Ember and Blackheart the same way I look at uh, Carter and Catanzaro, and they've been a team a hell of a lot longer, and they've done a lot more to establish that team. Granted, they're just sort of fodder for Zia Lee at this point, but they're very much a team that I respect and, and I think is important. So, you know, this really just felt like the end of a tournament. It didn't mm-hmm. really feel like there was any heat between these teams. It just no. sort of felt like you simulated to the end of a tournament. These are the two teams you're left with. And one yeah. of them is going to get a tag team title shot. And I yeah. really looked and, you know, this was the one match where I, I didn't get the result right. And I really thought they would give it to Blackheart and Ember Moon. But the only rationale I had is, well, they're a face team. The champs are heels. So that makes more sense to me. That's an easier narrative. What that narrative is, I have absolutely no idea. I have no idea what the discussion with Shotzi, Blackheart, Ember Moon, Shayna Baszler, and... Nia Jax would be like, would they shoot a tank shot at her hole? I have no idea. Like that's probably something they would do, but like beyond that is, is there a story of Ember Moon failing on the main roster and now she's worked her way back up and now, you know, she's found a real friend and maybe she didn't have a real friend on the main roster, which was kind of part of the problem with Mandy and Sonya bullying her backstage was that, but they didn't tell that story. They didn't tell any of that story, you know, and is Shotzi Blackheart, you know, she has been through a lot. She had her tank destroyed, which, which meant a lot to her. And she had to go to war to defend her honor. And now maybe through that war, she's become a soldier. I don't know. Like there is a story to tell. They didn't tell it. Like that's, I can go on and on. They didn't tell a story. They just sort of gave me two teams I really liked that are really, really good. But ultimately there's almost no narrative here, which is unbelievable. It's just, these are the two teams that are left in the tournament. Somebody gets a tag team title shot. So be it, but it's it's what they wanted. I I, I they want to tell the story of Gonzalez standing up to the two monsters. That, that's the story they want to tell. Yeah, and I, I think the other problem you have with this women's uh, and, and look, they brought people in for this tournament. Like they hired about three wrestlers, uh, completely you know, grand grand ones who had been in the May Young Classic in some cases. But the pro- other problem you had is the women's Dusty Cup. It wasn't only new; they didn't really announced the tag team title shot until the last week, but it also had about half as many people in it. So you just naturally had half as much build. So, you know, when we get to MSK and the Grizzle Young veterans, again, the MSK, they went through double the tournament from scratch. Like that was their debut to this match. 
And then you have the grizzled young vets who did all of this last year and, and came up short in the finals. And then you have a thrown together team and you have a team where I honestly forgot Dakota Kai was affiliated with Raquel Gonzalez three or four weeks ago, maybe five weeks ago. So it's just such a, again, it's still good, but it's just such a drop off in the build up to the match. And I think, you know, if, if I give AEW credit uh, on one thing primarily, and there are other things I can give them credit on, it's long-term build. You know, even if we're talking about Rusev and Kip Sabian, which seems to be the more, most cursed, needlessly long storyline ever, at least there's a lot in that story. At least there's a lot of beats that have happened. Most of them have sucked, but at least there's a lot to draw from, you know. Uh, but here, I just, there's almost nothing. Yeah, I agree. Oh, well. So, uh, Dan, any additional thoughts on this card? No, I enjoyed it. Again, I, I, uh, I haven't been following NXT as much, so I was happy to take the time to, to catch up on it. And uh, so, yeah, it was a fun Sunday night in. It was, there was nothing really bad, and, uh, but it was what we all thought it was. And I think that's probably what, where they need to go. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really disappointed. And I really hoped, you know, when I sort of came into this thinking it was going to be terrible, I was really hoping I was wrong. Uh, and there were, again, that Kushida moment. I had it wasn't hope. really terrible. Like, it, it was just, it just was like, oh, it was just fine. But that's, that's terrible by takeover standards. By takeover standards, yeah. Very good point. Yeah. And, again, there, there were moments, you know, if Kushida wins that title, maybe it's a different story. If, yeah, I would, have, that, that would have, I would have liked that. That would have been big. That would have been a takeaway. Um, that, and, and I think that's the other problem is we're going to walk away from this and if neither of these teams that won the Dusty Cup win the titles, this card was basically meaningless. Like They will. Nothing, I hope, I hope, nothing would have really changed. Now, if both teams win the titles, well, then we'll look back and say, okay, you know, this kind of paid off. And, and it's sort of like the Tommaso Ciampa, Timothy Thatcher thing where there was a lot of beats where you didn't really care. And then you look back and you say, well, it was building towards those guys as a team. Now, if they had won the Dusty Cup, it would have been even better. But at least all the stuff they were doing in their feud that seemed stupid, like made some sense in retrospect, they were earning each other's respect. Um, so we'll see. Uh, certainly, you know, if I take a little peek in the last few minutes we have here, I had to what to come on NXT and, you know, just to spare everybody a lot of pain, the carrying cross cruiserweight championship thing with uh, Escobar, where clearly carrying cross is not down to 205 pounds. I, I have no idea where this, like, I, 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 I there are pieces of things you can put together for why he is going after Escobar, but just uh, another weird detour. And I'm not sure why they're still doing these things. They're really not competing with the ratings the way they would want to. The NHL is coming to USA Network, so they're probably not going to be on Wednesday nights for much longer. I think they're going to have to eventually give up that slot. So I just don't get why they're not, you know, treating this either more like a developmental brand, which it still really is, or treating it like its own thing where they're doing long-term booking and really trying to tell good stories. Uh, it's, it's really perplexing. Oh, it is. It's both. It's like, it's like OVW now, but back how that was essentially it's both. Yeah. It's, it's really like, it's almost like ECW back when WWE ran ECW. Yeah. They've got, they've got people. Oh, it's got exactly matches. what it is now. Yeah. It's, 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 it's just kind of this bastardized brand and it's really nothing to no one as opposed to everything to everyone, and, and I'll, I'll throw in the Elijah Drake, like, I don't know what he's calling himself, LA something. LA, LA. Knight? That was weird. Why do they, why did they, suddenly they're, 
changing names again. Well, Why? give him a good name. Like LA Knight. I, I, I was listening to that promo saying, wait, what's his name? And Why I thought like, be Eli Drake. Well, or Drake. I, I like, you could have done something where he's related to Drake Maverick for all I care. Like I, I would have been fine with that. Like something, but yeah, the, honestly, I thought it was a mistake. I thought the guy cut a promo and forgot to say his name. That's honestly what I thought uh, when I first heard this. And it wasn't until uh, Sam came back and reiterated it. I'm like, Oh wow. That really is his dumb name. That's his stupid name. And when I saw him, I go, Oh, Eli Drake. And then it's like, Oh, why did they, why are they going back to this stupid name changing nonsense? Honestly, I, the other problem is I'm not an impact guy. So when he showed up there, I literally thought he was a manager. When he stood between Wade Barrett and the podcast guy, that shit wasn't bad, uh, and, and took Sam's place, I legitimately thought the guy was the next Malcolm Bibbins or something because it was such a all over the place, non-specific, you know, and he literally took this, he, did, he didn't take the spot of a wrestler. He didn't push Wade Barrett out. He pushed Sam out. And I think that was a problem too because he's towered over by these two guys who aren't in the ring. And at one point he does make reference to Barrett, but the other guy's a podcaster. So he should have pushed Wade Barrett out of there. It really made it like if he had taken Wade Barrett, grabbed him by, I don't think he had a tie on, maybe he did. Grabbed him by the tie and said, get out of here, grandpa. And then just got right in between the other two guys and, and maybe not manhandled him, but just he's exerted probably older than Barrett. Yeah, but I just... I drank at this point. Yeah. I, I, it was just a very odd choice. And, I, and it was so odd and so all over the place when he started to say he would go after the NXT title or the North American title. I, I just, I really didn't believe him. You know, like, not that Dexter Loomis is necessarily that over, but I, I honestly, and again, I don't know anything about this guy, but the way he was presented to me, I can't see this guy ever winning the title in NXT. I will be shocked, and I'll say it right now, I will be pleasantly surprised if this guy ever wins the North American title, let alone the NXT title, because th- this is already a mess and it's already a stacked brand. So yep. Ugh, a disappointment, but Dan, it's never a disappointment to talk to you. And likewise, uh, you know, you and I tried to build some narrative yarn here. Uh, not that any of it will ever <laughs> connect to anything. Yeah. And uh, you know, luckily next weekend is the elimination chamber. A lot to look forward to. Oh my to. goodness. All right. Yeah. We'll see you here so, next Sunday. Yeah, we'll be back at it. And uh, until then, peace out. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. 